and welcome to the 92,000 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Annalisa Holcomb. In this podcast, we talk about the fact that we spend most of our lives, 92,000 hours worth, at work. This is more than we do anything else in our lives except sleep. Knowing that's the case, we focus on ways that we can honor that time, infuse it with meaning, and make sure that this thing that takes up most of our life actually reflects our values and vision and what we want our life to be. This season, we have produced workshops on exercises and reflections we have used in our practice over the years to help people make sense of their purpose and reflect on who they are at work, at home, and in community. This week, we begin to close our workshop series. And the exercise we will do together is called This I Believe. I think you'll like it. Let's get started. First, let's review our past workshops. The work we've done so far has been integral to the work we'll do today. We've covered trust, vulnerability, identity, fear, grief, values, priorities, and walking a different path. Each of these workshops have built on each other, and this one is no different. As we move forward, I encourage you to look at some of your work and writing on those prior subjects and to re-familiarize yourself with you. Because here's the thing, in order to do the work of this episode, you'll have to dig deep into your knowledge of yourself. Back in the 1950s, there was a radio show hosted by Edward R. Murrow. And in that show, he asked people to share their personal philosophies. This later became a feature on NPR, and it is now a nonprofit organization that houses these stories and continues to collect new ones. Each This I Believe story is short, but so powerful. Some of them are funny, Most of them are poignant. Before you get started in this exercise for yourself, you may want to take a look at some of those stories. Some great ones are curated at www.npr.org slash series slash this-i-believe. The titles that you'll see there are the philosophies. You'll see Muhammad Ali saying he believes that he is still the greatest, which is really about his philosophy of believing in himself and encouraging others to do so as well. A woman there talks about her belief in forgiveness and the relationship she has built with her perpetrator through the act of forgiving. Another person talks about her belief in neighbors and that the relationships we build are actually what the American dream is all about. What I'd like you to do is reflect on your life and on your learnings throughout this workshop. What are the themes that you see? Resilience? Ambition? Joy? Do you see family? Community? Are there particular people? Do you see your calling or your career? or your hobbies. When you give yourself the stillness to contemplate the stories that you've already been telling to people about your life, 
What are those stories about? How can you pay attention to yourself enough to develop the story of your own beliefs and your own philosophies? When I did this, I used the tool of a reflective personal essay. Looking back at my life, were there any particular lessons I've learned or epiphanies I've had? Or put another way, what were the seminal moments in my life to date and what lessons did I learn from them? What made them the moments that feel particularly important to me? So I thought I'd be vulnerable myself here and share my belief statements to encourage you to do the same. (laughs) With no further ado, here are my personal philosophies, my own this I believe statements. I have five of them. I really only expect you to work on one, but here mine are. I believe that my vulnerabilities are my superpowers. I believe that authenticity is the key to love and acceptance. I believe that human connection is the most powerful engine in the universe. I believe that belonging fosters potential. I believe that integrity is both a bridge and a ladder. Each of these belief statements come with their own stories, their own seminal moments, and sometimes the lessons were difficult, but they all fully resonate with me. And even though I wrote them about five years ago, they continue to provide sense-making and help me to both tell and understand the story of my own life. For example, I believe that my vulnerabilities are my superpowers. I come from a family that was steeped in shame. My grandmother, married to a coal miner at 15 years old, carried her shame with her, and it came out as insecurity. The ideas of class and not quite fitting in were sometimes weights that held me down, and they kept some of my family members down too. Some of those things that felt like shame were the things I spent decades not talking about, avoiding, and I still struggle. I hear those things in my head when I'm deep in the middle of those shame storms, like I'm adopted, or I'm the little girl who, quote, let, end quote, someone abuse her. I'm the kid who smells like cigarette smoke at school. I'm the young adult whose dad died of lung cancer. I'm the college student who couldn't afford to live on campus. I'm the child of an alcoholic. But because of these vulnerabilities, I also know how to be resilient. I know what fierce love can do. I know how to manage volatile situations. I know what pain looks like. And I know I can handle it. I know what love looks like too. Those vulnerabilities looked at another way have given me loads of courage and have ultimately served me well. My next statement, 
I believe that authenticity is the key to love and acceptance. I fought hard to be a certain type of person. I thought that I'd escape my circumstances if I just became a lawyer or if I moved to another part of town. But that old adage is true. Wherever you go, there you are. You can't escape yourself. I've had a knack my whole life of empathizing with others. I feel deeply for other circumstances. But everything changed for me when I finally started to actually empathize with myself. When I finally began to see myself authentically and to empathize and love myself as the actual authentic human that I am, everything got better. I was a better mother. I found love. I felt seen. I no longer try to be a certain type of person in a courtroom or a boardroom. I always show up as me. And feeling seen truly by yourself and still loving and accepting yourself, that opens up a whole new world of love and acceptance. I also believe that human connection is the most powerful engine in the universe. I believe that you can't truly connect with others until you've accepted and learned to love yourself. But once that happens, wow. And people often think that I'm an extrovert because I love talking to people. But I'm not. I love connecting with people deeply. But I'm not interested in small talk and dinner parties are so hard on me. For example, a few months ago, I found myself at a brew pub in Wisconsin with a man who has a degree from Harvard Divinity School. I turned to him with his beer in his hand and said, Hey, can we talk about the death of religion in America? He laughed and he said, Here? Now? Over beers? And I said, Yes, please. And the conversation that happened that night is one I still reflect on. I don't know how much about that man in terms of standard brew pub talk I would have. I don't know about his kids or the team he roots for or even what he likes about his job. But I know his philosophy on religion and spirituality and the importance of human connection and how that grounds us. And if you know me, then this probably doesn't surprise you. When I have the chance to ask the curious question and understand the humanity of the person next to me, I know that I can better understand the world that we live in. I have a deeper sense of connection to who the people I meet really are, and I can take that deeper connection with me when I go out into the world and do my best to honor it. I believe that belonging fosters potential. I have a history of feeling isolated and different and as though I don't belong. And we all know, probably from our own personal experience, but also research on sense of belonging, that this feeling of being part of the group is essential to our ability to thrive as human beings. As I've gone through my life, the things that sometimes othered me being adopted, being non Mormon in Utah, being abused as a kid, getting divorced in my 20s all made me feel like I was different and that I didn't belong. 
In fact, I had this moment, it was just a few years ago, when I had this epiphany, when I was reflecting back to my big law firm days, I was thinking about some comments and interactions that I had and had this moment where I realized that so many of the lawyers that I worked with in that big law firm knew each other already. Not just to work, but they knew each other's powerful families and parents for generations. I had no idea, and it didn't even occur to me that I was othered then without even knowing that I was. Sometimes we don't know why we feel like we don't belong, but we come to understand it later. There are even times when, for example, for me, I realized that people were being nice to me and including me in things, but somehow I had this feeling that I still didn't belong. And as I get older, that is more and more important to me. Not just that I'm included, but more that I belong and that I make sure that others do too. I've had the joy and comfort of experiencing full, true belonging in my marriage, with my family, and I've experienced it in the workplace. But I know now that my experience of full belonging at work of not just being invited to the table, but really feeling like my seat there belonged and I was honored, was rare. I know that was the time in my career when I grew the most and really saw my potential as exponential. And I believe that when people can bring their authentic, true, whole selves to the table at work and are seen and heard and honored, their potential will skyrocket. And the organization, the people who work there, and the mission served will grow exponentially as well. And finally, I believe that integrity is both a bridge and a ladder. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we make big mistakes that seem like we won't be able to recover. But my entire experience has shown me that when we bring our honesty humanity, humility, and integrity, especially when we are facing mistakes, that integrity will be the bridge to the other side of the experience. We can get through hard things, really hard things, when we focus on our integrity. When we lose everything, we can still keep our integrity. Not only will it be the bridge? But sometimes integrity will be the thing that others see about you in your tough moments that will encourage them to offer the ladder and lift you up. It worked for me. Each time I found myself in a low place, and I have had a couple of really low places, my ability to hold on to something, even when all I really had was my integrity, kept me afloat and got me through. And people noticed and provided ladders to new opportunities as a result. I hope those belief statements are helpful. I encourage you to work on your own. We've provided a companion worksheet on our website at Connection Collaborative that can help you through the process. And I really do encourage you to do that. This kind of sense making, if you take the time, really can be a powerful guide in your career, in your life, in your relationships. 
I think you might just find that the advice that you've been seeking is your own. Thank you for joining me today. We look forward to hearing from you as you do this work. It can be hard and it's always better to do it in community. I'm here to be that community for you. Please use our companion worksheet, which is located at www.connectioncollaborative.com blog. You can also find additional helpful materials at www.thisibelieve.org as well. Next time, we end this series. We're finished with our workshops. We'll do one last lesson and a reflection on what we've covered and what you've had the opportunity to learn about yourself. I hope you'll join us.